What's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode. And before we start this episode, I want to encourage all our listeners to please subscribe and rate our channel. We definitely appreciate that. Also, feel free to give us feedback. Like I said, all three of those things, we definitely appreciate it. I just want to start the show off and letting you guys know. And um, here's another episode. I hope you all enjoy it. On the way to the top floor. I ain't selling out though, but I'm on the way. Got a lot of real, must the motivate. Hold all the moves, I'm a plenty play. On the way. On the way, on the way to the big check. You ain't know I'm up next, but I'm on the way. You ain't take risks, cause you too afraid. I'ma just eat till I'm overweight. On the way, on the way. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Millionaire Mindsets Podcast. I am your host, Xavier Miller, sitting with my co-host, Deanna, as usual. Hello, everybody. And today we have two. Uh, this is a, this will be another 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 very special episode. We have two special guests, a couple. We have uh, Khalil and Kiara, better known as Charm City Buyers. They are real estate investors. It's a dynamic duo, like I was <laughs> like, like I was getting into, and they're based out of Baltimore. Welcome to the show, guys. Yeah, we 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 definitely excited to have you, man. You guys mm-hmm. are doing big, big, big things, and. Uh, I got. I actually got put on to you guys through my sister in law because she listens to yeah. the po- she listens to the podcast and she was like, "Yo, reach out to Charm City Bars." And I'm like, "I'm like, all right, give me that information. I'm gonna look them up." Blah blah blah. So she gave me the that's info. I'm like, "Yeah, that's when I re- that's why I reached out to you guys." Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't follow you guys like months ago. So when he said y'all was gonna be on the show, I'm like, I've been following them already. So like, that's <laughs> yeah. yeah. But. uh... <laughs> To, so to get right into it, I, uh, I want to ask. I usually ask our guests this when we start: is like, so, what made you want to get started, like with real estate, just on your financial journey? Like, how did that get started? Sure. So um, I've always been an entrepreneurial guy by nature. I think that's a proven track record since high school and even middle school, selling candy and yeah. all kind of different different ventures. So Kiara and I met, and um, really, what got me into real estate was her. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I've always been really excited and passionate about real estate so I was the kid growing up pointing the houses that were vacant out to my parents like yo we should buy that and they're like girls you don't sit back <laughs> so um and so that kind of like that passion just followed up followed me and as we started to talk about what our long-term goals were individually and together we talked about how um, working a nine to five and getting a pension and retiring at some job after 30, 40, 50 years just didn't seem like it fit us. And yeah. so we started to look at that fit and real estate being something that I was already always um, planning on doing in some way, shape, or form came up as something that could be a possibility for us. And so when we, you know, weighed all of our options and talked about different things that we could do, real estate actually checked the most boxes for both of, both of us. And so we jumped right in together. Wow. Okay, so like, so what was, um, you, I would say like your first deal or what was that starting point? Like, how did you get yourselves finally like fully immersed in real estate? Yeah. So July, 2012, we started our real estate journey, uh, formed the LLC. And then in October, 2012, we bought, purchased our first property. And it was a three unit shell up in Hartford, uh, Connecticut. Um, but you can imagine between July and, and October, that's only what five months or something. So we had to learn a lot. We had to network a lot. We had to find different properties to, to vet and figure out whether it fit what we were looking to do short and long, long term. Then we had to close on it, find the finances, do all that kind of stuff. So we, we moved pretty, pretty quickly, pretty aggressively, as you all know, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's- like for us, we were like, just young enough still because we were 22 23 or 23 24 the first year out of college um um you know, I, I lived at home with my mom I, and dad and uh, i shared a room with my brother and out of my 30 35 a year salary i saved 20 grand um so i had enough money to feel confident and comfortable that when i moved to connecticut following love without a job something would would work itself out and it did yeah, that's that's smart, and that's interesting that you say that you stay home with your parents because this is a conversation that we always have. Like, I don't live anywhere near my parents, but I always say like, if my parents live near, I would definitely move back in just so I could pocket, literally be pocketing everything. And it's a lot of people they feel like it's like 
they ashamed if they have to live with their yeah. parents at a certain age. So that's like very interesting that you like kind of like kind of I say put their pride to the side and like move in. Absolutely. With yeah, and do that. I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to run my own thing and do my own business, but um, and I, I I knew for a fact that you need money in order to to do that. So mm-hmm. I figured if I move back home, if I if I could have stayed longer, I certainly would have. I still got a really great relationship with them and saved right. more, more money. Um, the time that called for me to to move on to the next step. I advise anybody fresh out of college, save, save, save. As soon as you get to hundred thousand bucks, then you can go and get an apartment or something. But yeah. just save. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's 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 the same strategy we got. For sure. I think what's really important when you do when you do those types of things, like you move back home, right? You're doing it in a way that's setting yourself up for something rather than kind of coasting. I think that's where there's like that um that stigma around going moving back home with your parents like what are you doing or what are you working towards in that situation if you're if you're living at home to try to push yourself to the next level like dope but if you're living at home playing video games all the time somebody gonna look at you sideways exactly mm-hmm. exactly yeah. I, I, I agree i agree <laughs> i agree 100 percent on that now uh a question i had for because i know I, this is something I, I learned about last year, but I'm not sure if a lot of people know about this. Like, do you mind explaining like what opportunity zones are? Yeah, absolutely. So, opportunity zones started in uh, sorry the, the the law went into effect during the ta- uh, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017. So, December 2017, it was officially a law um, in this uh, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. Um, and what it is is they are specific zones that are low income census tracts that are designated as opportunity zones so that they can benefit from the program. How the program works is that uh, capital gains is realized and then put into a qualified opportunity fund. And that fund then deploys money into opportunity zone businesses or opportunity zone properties. Mm. Um, So a lot of questions come from that, but that's at its core, that's how the program works. There are estimated $6.1 trillion of unrealized capital gains in the stock market. And the, the federal government wants to provide an incentive to to people who, who control that money to then realize those those gains, which means sell stocks and then put that money to work through the Opportunity Zone Fund. So how does the average person take advantage of that? So the average person needs to know exactly where the Opportunity Zones are. That way they, they know whether they live in one, first of all, um, whether they are adjacent to one, second of all, whether friends or family members are, are in one. Um, that way, when, when that $6.1 trillion comes into their backyard, they know why, they know how to work it, um, and they can, they can leverage um, that money coming in for their own benefit, for their own property value in, increasing, for their own businesses, um, to protect themselves from displacement or gen, gentrification, mm-hmm. um, and also... Um, so that uh, if they're looking at a potential investment or they're looking at starting a business, they can target an opportunity zone so that they get um, better treatment when it comes to money coming in. Okay. Wow. That's yeah. dope. That's, that's super dope. Because like I said, this is something I just like learned about like fall of 2018. And I'm like, wow, I didn't even, I didn't really know too much. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. So I know like, so for like the uh, average property in the opportunity zone is it like costly or is it just like like how like how does it work so opportunity zones are um low income census tracts so they're they're historically areas where there is not a ton of um when you think about income taxes that you're paying like there are people who are living in these areas historically don't make a whole lot of money and so a lot of times these neighborhoods are going to be the neighborhoods that are qualified or thought of as hoods or just areas that just don't have the or haven't seen the economic investment that other neighborhoods might have yeah typically the unemployment rates are higher um the uh educational systems are of a lower quality um crime is typically higher right um these these are areas that according to the new market tax credit census tracks severely distressed um, just, just areas where uh, uh, investment has not been seen Sorry. in quite some time. Oh. So the, the program provides the, uh, an incentive for um, for wealthy people, really, to put their money right. to work in these areas because they get substantial tax breaks. Wow, that's crazy. So with, with saying with saying all that, like, 
many people would be scared to invest in places like that because they would consider that the hood or whatever. So that's interesting that you guys are taking advantage of that. And what's your mindset just on investing into communities where a lot of people are scared because they're like, man, that's that's the hood. I don't want to put my money in there. What like what's you guys' mindset on that? We love it. Yeah. So I think, so I think that um, a lot of times, a lot of times the areas that people shy away from are areas that, you know, a lot of us might have grew up in or have friends that grew up in those neighborhoods or those blocks. And so just like you were able to go to the barbecue there years ago, you can probably, you know, you can walk up and down the street now. I think it's, what's important is that you just respect the people and the spaces in, in the neighborhoods in which you invest. And I think that it's really important that people who value community, value the neighborhoods, value um, really just helping communities grow and flourish, do invest in the hood or areas that some people shy away from because that's how you change and really push communities forward and change the narrative on what the hood is all about, right? Back in the day, that's where the neighbors and your aunties and your cousins, everybody was right there. And I think that for years, things have changed. And so... You know, it's it's our way to take some of these vacant eyesores and these um, old houses that did for years and turn them into homes and make it a positive for the community as a whole. So for us, we're not um, we're not like one off like investors. We're really looking at how do we impact and change communities in a positive way. And that's why it's so important to us what we do here in Baltimore. Like, how do you change the narrative of Baltimore and take it beyond what you saw on the wire, right? And really focus <laughs> on what is here and the culture here and the charm here. Um, and now with the Opportunity Zone program, literally $6.1 trillion is focused on the opportunity in these hoods that we shy away from, right? If they see the opportunity, we should too. And and that's really what we're all about. Yeah, one thing that we want to mention um, for the Opportunity Zone piece of it, you have to be very careful, and anybody really has to be careful. Not every, what you would see as a hood is qualified as an Opportunity Zone. So mm. there's there are maps out there. Some are not accurate. Some are accurate. Um, you know, you, really want to make sure that, that you're, you're figuring out where exactly those opportunity zones are. Just because you think it may be one doesn't necessarily mean it, it is one. There are some areas in Baltimore here that we we question heavily, like, who didn't advocate for this space? Because this is clearly <laughs> an area that needs um, some some financial lifting. Um, another thing that Kiara touched on, and, and, and your, your question about us investing in these areas, you know, back in the day when, when we first started out, the very first property, we would literally go outside and, and sit on the street for, for hours just to kind of sit there, chill, learn the area. Our, our, our contractor, our first one was from three houses up. The person who cut the grass was from around the corner. You know, it's, it's those types of bonds that you build when you when you go into these areas. Our first, our second one now, as, as we're scaling and we got competing priorities taking over more of our time, it's a little harder to do that, but um, we we absolutely take pride in sitting outside and saying, "Hey, you know, who who lives here, or where's Miss Johnson, or you know, whatever." We we've had it pay off. We've had neighbors um, who live close to our investment properties call us and say, "Hey, somebody's over here. I'm not sure if you, you know, expected somebody here, but I just wanted to give you a call." And we, oh, okay, thank you. That's that's a contractor going in doing doing a bid. That's you know stuff like that. Just um, you know we. We absolutely take pride in the areas that um, a lot of developers and a lot of investors shy away from. Right, and that's that's a very important thing. Like I got uh, two things I want to say before I before I forget. And like I'm so pro what you guys are doing, like investing into those areas because I always say like ownership is controlled. So if we buy back up. The neighborhoods that that people consider bad that that majority of us probably live in, we taking control back of our neighborhoods, and then we could control the environment. The environment doesn't have to be toxic or whatever it is. So that's why I'm so like pro investing into black areas or people areas that people call the hood or whatever it is. And uh, another question I had is, uh, so if somebody wants to find like if they're in the area or if they're in the city and they want to find like okay, is there any opportunity zones where I live? Do they just Google? Like, okay, opportunity zones in Houston, or you know what I mean? So how would they, like, really find, like, the area? Yeah, so so months ago, um, almost a year ago now, you could you could do that, and, um, and you'd be pretty safe. Now it's it's so hard to find the exact map. Um, 
that you, you really have to be careful. Um, we've got a, a, a um, sorry, we, we share with people the in our Opportunity Zone 101 um, exact maps. We give detailed background about how the program operates and functions. There are all types of different tiers and steps. After the five-year mark, the seven-year mark, the 10-plus year mark, there's a phantom tax event on December 31st, 2026. It's a, it's a whole program um, that, that you know, we've studied for quite some time and, and learned about, and we, we share that information through our Opportunity Zone 101. Yeah, so we put together that class because there's okay. so much misinformation about Opportunity Zones, and so we have a lot of people who um, will read an article and kind of misinterpret it, one, um, and two, the fact that there's so many maps out there and it's just really hard for people to, to be able to tell which ones are accurate. We put together like this whole class um, where we were like, here is what the Opportunity Zone program really truly is this is how it works and here's how you best position yourself and so in that we go into super deep detail about the opportunities of a program and also share the maps that we know are you know these ones are the ones that are going to be the most accurate because these are the folks who help create the actual zones in a in and of itself um so we definitely try to like share all the information that we can because i think it's really really important that people understand truly what the what the opportunity zone program is right it's not just a bunch of you know it's not like you're going to go to it's not like free money right some people think it's like grants or um it's all this free money and anyone could just go buy a house and, and they get the uh the the advantages of the program, but that's not how it's set up. It's really not set up for everyday people to be able to um, to win from it directly. Mm. And so what's really important for us is that we make sure people understand how you can take advantage of the program directly and how you can position yourself to win indirectly as a result of the program, right? Um, so, so that's what that, that 101 class is all about. So if, for example, if, if, if I'm a new investor and I'm interested in buying my first rental, um, I should target an opportunity zone. It, it makes sense because most people are going to put their money into this zone. So the, the value of my property is going to increase. Finding money to fix it is going to be easier. It's just, there are so many um, indirect benefits that it's important to know where the zones are and to know more about the program. And that's why we share it. Mm, okay. It, you I was going to ask, like, so the class um, that you do on Opportunity Zones, do you do it in person with people in your community, or do you offer it online? Like, how would someone get access to the information you guys provide? Yeah, so it's, it's completely online. So we have, and the program is nationwide, so all the information is, is nationwide as well. It's not just Baltimore-specific. But it's completely online. You can do it as your, at your leisure. Um, the, um, the one-on-one is in-depth overview of what the program actually is and the maps and then there's actually for those who are like i want to really take advantage i want to start a fund i want to invest in a fund i want to really how i can take advantage directly from the opportunity zone program we have an entire master class that has like so many videos and a ton of documents and everything else um, for people to take advantage of as well but again it's like how do we kind of package everything because Cole's been studying opportunity zones for literally for about a year and a half yeah a year and a half now so kind of taking all of that um all the hearings and the meetings all that kind of stuff and compile the information in a way that people can absorb understand and then apply as they're investing each and every day yeah for those who are familiar we, we talk about how you can combine opportunity zones with historic tax credits, federal historic tax credits, state historic tax credits, new market tax credits. Um, it's a lot. It's a Yeah, it's exciting. <laughs> so uh, so you, said that, um, you said something like it's not set up for everyday people to win. So, like, why is that? So the program is set up for the Opportunity Zone program is for people who have capital gains okay. to invest in the Opportunity Zones. Not everyone has capital right, gains. Not right. everyone invests in real estate. And the only way to have capital gains means you're investing in a stock or real estate. Um, it's appreciated in value, right? You bought a stock for $10. It increased in value to, to 100 Now you have dollars $90,000. Right? Yeah, 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 you have $90 <laughs> uh, as, a, um, as your gains, right? You have to pay taxes on those gains. And so the program helps to um, manage the tax burden on people with 
with capital gains if they then invest that money in opportunity zones. Exactly. And not everyone has that. And so that's why, you know, it's not really set up for everyone to win if you don't understand. And so for us, it's how do we make sure people understand what game is being played so that they can, you know, be part of the be part of the process. Yeah, so anybody who's knowledgeable can then be part of the process. So again, it's not capital gains. It's, it's not money that you earn from a paycheck, right? That's That doesn't qualify as capital gains. Right. Capital gains typically are seen when you sell a house or you sell stocks. Um, you know, mm-hmm. Low net worth, low wealth individuals may not have access to those resources. They may not be selling houses on a regular basis. They may not be selling stocks for you know, tens of thousands of dollars. Um, but when, when those events happen, when high, high net worth people sell stocks and sell houses, um, it triggers a capital gains event. You've then gone from unrealized gains, which is appreciation in, in a house that you haven't, you know, you haven't seen the actual dollars or appreciation in the stock and you haven't quite seen the actual dollars. It goes from unrealized gains then to realized gains. And once you realize those gains, you have to pay capital gains taxes on those, somewhere between 15 and 35% based on your tax bracket. Well, this program um, defers how much tax you have to pay, and then it gets into kind of a series of, of, of events based on how long the money has stayed in a qualified opportunity fund, um, with the ultimate result being that after 10 plus years, um, you don't see you don't have to pay any capital gains on any of the appreciation of that asset. So if the property that you put money into then shoots up in value or the the, uh, the business that you put it, money into then shoots up in value, you don't have to pay capital gains on on those uh, assets. Mm. All right, that makes so much Look, sense. That make that make, yeah, that make a lot that make a lot of sense. So we 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 break it down very well in our opportunities on 101. We want to make sure that um, everybody understands it because it's, it is a very dense and very complicated program. Mm-hmm. But being that we have a five-year-old, it's we've, we've gotten practice over the last five years of explaining, <laughs> explaining. things that a child can understand. And it helps them when we start to teach our classes. Yeah, that's, 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 that's important. And uh, just the whole capital gain thing is an important thing, even like you said with stocks, because uh, a lot of people don't know, like, they base it on how long how long you keep the stock. If it's a long term stock, the the gain the tax is, is less than if you sell it short term. I'm pretty sure you guys already know that. But in yeah. talking in talking about capital, so what we what do you think is like a better strategy with people? Because I talk to people about like during the buying process, and some people say, you know, they go the OPM route. They say I I ain't using my capital, and then some people are like, nah, I, I prefer to use my own money. So what do you, what is your mindset on that? So for us, OPM is king, right? For us, we we definitely um, value leveraging and understanding how to leverage other people's money to be successful. And then I can use my money and I might be someone else's, someone else's uh, private lender or something like that, right? So um, we we definitely leverage OPM. Uh, We think it's really important and helpful when it comes to even recycling dollars within the community, right? And how you're able to leverage and circle money around um, within your own community. But for us, yes, definitely OPM is king. Um, We've used so many different strategies when it comes to putting our deals together and and financing our deals from private lenders to hard money lenders to nonprofits to seller financing to subject to, to... We've done all kinds of things. And that, I think, is... Um, why we've been able to scale the way we have versus mm. someone who uses their own cash you're limited to what you have, right? I don't have limits because I know how to leverage money that other people have. Very true. I, and I agree. Because I, I, I talk to some people and they like against it and I never understand why. I'm like, I'm like I don't really get it, but but I'm on, I'm on your side with that. I, 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 like, I, like, OP, I like the OPM route too. <laughs> so I have a question. Just to go back um, to opportunities one more time. But if you qualify to do it, you know, you can um, work with the program and use your money to get into get into the program and invest. Is there a specific way that you have to invest in these properties, such as can you do fix and flips or do you have to like do like rental properties per se as far as fixing them up, fixing them up to get them like fully um, remodeled and livable and rebuilding the community that way? Is there like a specific way you have to do it? That's a good question. 
So, so first, I think it's important because I think that people get really confused sometimes on how to even do it because you have to, you can't just go like buy a house in an opportunity zone. Like you have to go through a whole process, put the, the money has to be in a fund and then that fund invest in the property. So like there's, there's like nuances like that and just how it works. That is important, but Cliff can talk about the basic yeah, and then um, kind of going back to some of the, the, the nuances, um, you know, it's it's one of those programs where it, it's so new that not all the rules have been put in put in ink yet, gotcha. right? But there's still so many different things that, that have to be figured out. So they, they had a public hearing last month um, to answer a ton of questions that people submitted to get further clarification on how to how to invest in businesses, whether fix and flips are applicable, which is a, a term that's that's being um, uh, uh, a term that's being used to, to define fix and flips is churning. So how do you churn money? Right, you you put the money into a fund, you put it into a property, you sell the property, money comes back into the fund. Um, how much how much fee can you collect? Um, how much money has to then to get put into a fund and get put back? Does it does it restart the ten year period? There are tons of different questions that still need answers. Um, and we're, we're staying up to date on it. So we, we go to conferences, we get PowerPoint decks. Um, right. And we keep that master, as things come up, so the one-on-one has like the, what is the program, how does it work? And that masterclass, every time new information comes up, we update that. So they, people who like join in early, they constantly get updates as the program continues to grow and change because we expect it to, because yep. not everything's defined yet. Not everything's defined yet. Um, but to, to answer your question from earlier, yes, it's, it's online. You can move at your own pace. Um, you know, we, what is it, charmcitybuyers.com, and we'll, we'll, we'll give you the link and everything to, to okay. distribute followers. Okay, cool, cool. And uh, a question I had was, are you guys investing outside of Baltimore? And another question I had was, how many like how many properties do you guys own at the moment? Yeah, so we, we still own our property in Connecticut, so we're still out-of-state owners. Okay. Um, and we have... We have and it's, it's important to know, we, we're out-of-state owners and we don't have a property manager. Yeah, we self-manage. So we self-manage that property because we found rocket star tenants um, and we, we screen tenants pretty well to make okay. sure that they... Uh, we'll respect our property as much as possible, especially when we're out of state. So fortunate, we're, we're, we're blessed, too. We're very fortunate. One of them cuts the grass. One of them shovels the snow. It's a three-unit multi, so we're able to, to, to leverage that and, and work with the individuals up there to help us um, maintain the property as much as possible. But, yeah, so we're technically we're out-of-state investors because we do have one, but we're not actively pursuing property right now that's outside of Baltimore. Okay. Um, so we have um, 20 rental units, and then we have uh, five other properties on top of that that we are renovating actively right now. Wow. Um, so this is and then we have the construction projects. Wow, that's that's, that's, that's working. That's that's that's, yeah. that's dope. That's super dope. <laughs> and then we're working with others for you know construction management and helping other people manage their properties. Mm. Okay, well, yeah, that's yeah. cool. That's super cool. And uh, so. If you say uh, you guys have a rocket rocket star tennis, that's very interesting because I wanted to ask another question. Mm-hmm. I was watching uh, your uh, Instagram live before we before we got on the phone call, and you were talking about turno- turnovers are the worst. So I was like, yeah. okay, this is something I definitely want to ask. Yeah, well, turnovers are just a pain. Like, who wants to do them? You want to have a that stays in there for for as long as possible. And for us, our goal is that um, our tenants get to the point where they can buy property from us. Um, and so our very first tenant is still a tenant now, um, years later. And so we want tenants that are going to come and stay long term. I don't want to have to go in behind a tenant and, and have to, to turn it over. I want to do my due diligence up front and proactively. So I'm getting the right people in the door and I'm doing the right thing so that they want to stay. Uh, and so that's why I don't like one of the reasons why I don't like turnovers, not to mention the fact that it's dead money time. You're spending money and not making money on the unit. Um, but yeah, I just I just don't like them. I think early on in our when we first started to to invest and be landlords, we didn't do um, everything perfectly, and we had crappy tenants, and those te- those turnovers were absolutely nightmares. So I think that's probably part yeah, of it too. We got stories for days. We have tons <laughs> of stories, um, and that all comes down to us learning the importance of due diligence on your tenants just as hard as your due diligence on your property um, and really following process and screening your tenants well so that you don't have those same kind of problems. Yep. Mm, okay. So what is your process on screening potential clinic? 
Tennis, <laughs> my bad. I said, man, I'm getting tongue twisted. I'm potential tennis, potential tennis. Sorry about that. So potential tennis, we're gonna do um, background credit and eviction um, history reviews. We're going to do employment verification. We're reviewing pay stubs, reference checks. Reference checks. We, um, I sometimes we'll go and we'll look and see where they live currently, like how they're living now. So that's going to give me indications on how they're going to t- treat my property. Um, and it's, and it's, it's, it's not like we tell them straight up, hey, we want to see your house to see how clean it is. No, we'll say, hey, let's meet to fill out this paperwork. I'll meet you at your, your house. What time is good for you? Sure. Or even, mm. you know, sometimes people call it like inspections. Like they just wanted to do a screening inspection and you meet at the property wherever they're living currently. Um but, uh, but, yeah, we have kind of a full process. We're going to understand, like, who the person is, what their habits are by looking at things like their um, payment history on their credit reports and stuff like that. We might not focus as much on the actual score, but I am going to want to see that if you do have uh, issues or challenges on your credit report, it's in regards to student loans versus a Macy's card, right? Like, what are your priorities <laughs> and, like, what are the habits and things that you've, you've built Mm, okay. To me better under the tenant. And it's very much a case by case basis. Okay. And we'll go from there. But we do have a very standard procedure. Okay. That, that, that makes sense. And so, and with you guys having so many properties in, in Baltimore, are you, you managing, managing them yourself or property manager? We have a team now. So okay. it's in house. So okay. ourselves as an in house, but we have a we have staff now um, that helps us from maintenance to um, people who manage our properties, um, but it's it's all in house. Okay. Do you um, run out to Section Eight um, tenants? So uh, there are several different programs yeah. um, that provide people with assistance, financial assistance, to to live into houses from like a St. Ambrose model where. Um, you just have somebody who wants to move into a room in, in your house to... Um... There's tons. There's, everyone always goes straight to Section 8, but there's so many different programs. So for us, we don't specifically have Section 8, but we do have tenants that have their rent paid by programs here in Baltimore. Okay. Oh, okay. That's, that's yeah, dope, we're, too. We're not against that at all. You know, no. it's, it's... Yeah. We still screen the same way. Same way. So yeah. we're going to screen the same way because we're going to go through our process because that's our process. And we're going to, when there are programs involved, we're going to get a really good understanding and build a relationship with the case manager, which most people have a case manager. So that I have a relationship on that side. So I have a full support system. Like they end up being a quasi property manager as a result because they're going to look out and manage the tenant just like we're going to manage the tenant and right. the property. Right. Yeah, that's true. And another, another question I have, I love asking couples this question is, do you feel like you have an advantage when you were uh, working together in a relationship? Because I feel like we have an advantage working together. How do you feel about that? Absolutely. No doubt about it. I mean, it's it's just it's clear as day to me that I absolutely have an advantage with a partner who is a wife, mother, and business owner uh, with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I tell people pretty often, like, if you sleep eight eight hours in a day, right, that's, that's what, 16 hours yeah, 16 of playtime. Yeah. Right of, of non-sleep time, so you can work, you can you know do whatever. But that means that Kiara and I together have thirty-two hours per day mm. to get things done. Right, and if you think about it that way, like the the more people in your business, the more partners, um, the, the the more property managers, the more contractors, whatever employees, um, the more you can get done in per per day is to be able to speak directly to Kiara um, on a regular basis. Yeah, I think it's important because um, I think sometimes people get get um, get caught up in um, some people get caught up in not having like a spouse or someone right there that they can work with to invest in real estate. Um, but for us, I usually say as you need to just you need to have a team, right? So um, we have a lot of um, mentees who are women who I'm like, no, it's, you know, just because you might not have a spouse or a partner um, specifically to work with you doesn't mean that you can't invest. It means that you just need to build your team in another way or another fashion because teams and relationships and all that are key to success in real estate, whether it's a spouse or, or otherwise. 
Mm. I agree 100%. Right. That's mm-hmm. when we had Todd Millionaire on the podcast. That was his main point is, you know, we're stronger in numbers and partnerships. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, so, absolutely. Yep. And another question I had was, uh, we we spoke a little earlier about um, invest being out of state and investing into Baltimore. It would it's probably a little bit more difficult. You needed a team. So, what would you say is the is the thing? Say, if someone outside of Baltimore, they looking like, oh man, I want to put my dollars in Baltimore. What is the uh, a good tip that you can give them? Because like I said earlier, I was trying to do that and I was having a hard time finding a good, like, reliable realtor. So I'm like, until you guys right, told me. Yeah. The, the, best, the best advice, the best advice I can give anybody when it comes to that is to contact Charm City Buyers <laughs> and get plugged in immediately. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, I like that. <laughs> you want to have boots on the ground. You want to have someone that can help point you in the right direction. But anywhere you invest, when you're investing out of state, you need to have a team. And so whether that team includes us, uh, or or not, you need to have a strong team. Um, and in Baltimore, you know, understanding that it's block to block here and all of that, you want to know, you want to have someone who knows Baltimore to be able to help point you in the right direction. And what's great is that we we grew up here. Well, I I, I grew up here, right? Um, so I I know the ins and outs. I know the different areas. I know the communities. But we've also been real estate developers and investors for seven years here. So we we're plugged in with the city's attorney who has to process. Um, evictions and receiverships where the, 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 the owner of the property no longer is a private person or a company, but the city now owns it, right? We've got a good relationship with, with that person. We know about the Live Baltimore campaigns. We know about every single grant fund out there that, that helps either developers or home buyers uh, with purchasing properties, right? We, we know about the large-scale commercial anchor institutions that are doing large work, and we know the different properties around those, those areas um, that will soon uh, increase in, in, in value. We've got very in-depth knowledge of Baltimore City, um, and we're happy to share it. Oh, man, that's dope. That's dope. So, like, there you go. With Charm City Buyers, um, can you explain exactly, like, what it is and what you guys offer? Because it's, like, from what I see, it's, like, a community, and you guys are, like, really shifting the culture with it, and you guys have a lot to offer people. But can you just give us more details as to more about the program? Yeah, so, so, Charm City Buyers, what it's all about, really, the whole point of us even creating the Instagram is yeah, to have the conversation around what, what it is we're doing, because I'll be honest, our parents, like, family didn't know we were invested in real estate, so we had quite a few properties, <laughs> um, and we decided to start sharing, um, because what we realized was that what we were trying to do was more than invest in real estate, but we were trying to change communities and really push this whole narrative and change the face of what investors look like, what developers look like, what landlords look like, um, being young, black, and a couple, right? There's a lot of, um, of nuances and newness that we brought to the game. And so we wanted to create a platform where we could duplicate those efforts by sharing what we've learned um, the hard way and giving people the opportunity to implement in wherever they are. And so it was kind of our way of almost duplicating ourselves all over um, by just sharing information. We created like the Instagram page and started to tell it that way. And, you know, it turned out, it turned into people asking us a lot of different questions and being very processed and systems oriented. We created, um, you know, those questions that we got the most often. We would do workshops online or in person and we'd um, create, turn them into classes and give people the opportunity to learn so that they can then apply that information and apply those learnings as they're investing wherever they are. It was really kind of our way of taking our um, our value of being like landlords or investors or developers with a conscience and really helping to multiply that with other people throughout the country. And so that's what we've been able to, to do at this point, which is really, really cool um, being able to like, share our learnings that we learned the hard way in a way that people can just learn through some of the harder lessons that we've learned and be able to, to grow and flourish off of them as a result. Um, and then for, for Baltimore specifically, because Baltimore has its nuances, and most cities honestly do, but have nuances around laws and you know being very black to black and how do you really be successful in Baltimore and being that Baltimore is, is our focus on how do we push the community and change the narrative. We have um, a program that we created called Next Gen, 
Um, and so the Next Gen Accelerator is a 10-week intensive on investing in Baltimore, um, investing in real estate in general, right? We hit a lot of the, you know, what it takes to be successful in real estate, but we talk about Baltimore specifically, Baltimore neighborhoods, Baltimore um, city laws, Baltimore permits, stuff like that, uh, to give people these tools and the resources that they need to be successful here in Baltimore with the goal that everyone in the program purchase a property in Baltimore within six months. So we're not only giving the tools resources, we're also giving them deals. And so I'm sending them like things that are coming to me personally or things that we're coming across and, you know, leveraging the relationship. I get to know each and every person and quickest to know each and every person and say, this one sounds like it'd be a really good fit for you and then help guide them through those processes. So it's like, how do we create and um, nourish and support folks who want to invest and want to do it in a way that um, helps them really, you know, change the narrative. Yeah, we keep the next cohorts purposefully small so that we can build that one-on-one bond with them so we can better understand, okay, are you interested in more of a, a, a risk-adverse approach, long-term hold, rentals? Great, we'll send rental opportunities your way. If you want to flip, we'll send flip opportunities your way. Kiera's really the spearhead on it. She does a great job with it. To back up a little bit for your for your question of, um, and again, sorry, NextGen is an online class. It's, it's not an in-person class. Everything we offer is online, but Charm City Buyers, um, if I was asked, what is Charm City Buyers? My answer would be Charm City Buyers is a platform through which we share our educational experiences for, for other future real estate investors. So, um, uh, you know, giving them all the tools that they need, whether it's our OPM class and all the different financing methods we've used, um, whether it's the interest in our opportunity zones, we literally will we'll put our own spreadsheets that we use to, to to computate whether or not a property is worth pursuing, whether it will be profitable, how long and how many years based on different assumptions. We offer that. Um, we offer our next-gen class. We've got several different um, packages that, that help people learn about the real estate investing journey. And it came directly from people asking us, hey, on, on a very regular basis, you guys are young, you guys are scaling fast, how? How, 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 from text messages to DMs, first personal friends to then strangers. Um, and we said, you know what, let's, let's, let's make it easier for us uh, time-wise to explain it and to, to help educate folks um, by putting an online program together, multiple programs. Wow. And we still do in-person meetups and different things like that, too, because that's, that's really where it's fun for us. We get a lot of energy from other people who are in the room networking, making bonds. We've helped investors meet wholesalers and the whole works. But, um, yeah, that's, that's a charm city buyers. How has the um, local community accepted, like, what you guys are doing? Have you seen an increase in black investors since you guys got started doing what you're doing in Baltimore? Yeah, it's really exciting. Like people who um, years ago, we've done things like had people tour like one of our houses as we're doing um, doing a renovation, and they're not only you know personal property owners in Baltimore, but they have their rental properties, and um, they're really kind of thinking about things differently when it comes to investing in real estate and property and the opportunity in Baltimore um, specifically. And so it's been a really really cool journey. Um, it's exciting to see how, you know, some of the seeds that we've planted, watching them kind of grow and flourish into action here, which is which is super, super dope. So not only people that are like our mentees that we've guided through the process, not only are they owning property here in Baltimore, but people that we've talked to at events and, you know, meetups or whatever. It's just really, really cool to see. That's cool. So like when you get your properties, how involved are you in the entire process? Like, so if, let's say if you bought like um, a distressed property, do you guys like are there like every step of the way as far as construction and getting it up to um, getting it up to code to be ready to rent out? Like how involved are, involved are you with that process per se? For not for our properties, for our mentee properties. For your properties. For our properties, oh yeah, we're involved in all of it. Yeah, yeah, us, yeah so we we're signing them. We don't really use realtors like that. Um, we find the deals, we're negotiating them, we're getting them under contract. We have our own. Um, well, it's not our own. Other people use it too, but our title company is the one that we use all the time, right? And so we have a full system, and we go through that process. We're involved in all of it. Um, yes, we have a team now, and so we're able to delegate and 
and train folks to be able to follow the process that we set forth. But we're we're involved a hundred percent. We have very large in depth deals uh, or large in depth construction projects um, where I had multiple calls today with our team <laughs> on some FGM today. So we yeah we're definitely uh, hands on periodic site visits. Um, uh, negotiating based on what material we want to use in the project, uh, kind of a little bit of everything. Yep. That's interesting. That's and really it, that's, yeah, that's amazing. That's interesting that you said you don't use realtors. So are you just going straight to owners? Like, yo, I want to buy your property. Yep. Primarily, owners and wholesalers. And how? And how? Because I I just started wholesaling. Like like it's been like two weeks ago. We just started and we like in the process or whatever. So I'm I'm learning like. Sometimes when you go straight to the owner, they're like offended. Like, why would oh, yeah. you think my house is for sale? So like, how does <laughs> like so how does that how does that work like for you guys going like straight to owner saying like we want to buy your property? Hey, right. Yeah. No. How 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 we approach it? Hey, Mr. Owner, Mrs. Owner. Sorry to offend you. Hold on to our letter. You never know when you're looking to sell. Yeah. A no now doesn't mean no forever. So just because someone calls and is kind of offended and just, or whatever, you may go super low offer and someone's offended, that no now doesn't mean no forever. And you might get a, end up getting a call back from them six months, a year, two years from now, you never know. We have people that um, had called us years after we had done some marketing in Connecticut. We had lived in Baltimore for years and someone called like, do you still want to buy my house? So that's, um, the whole thing is definitely like a longer term a longer tail game sometimes, and that's why it's important that you follow up and all that kind of stuff. But, um, yes. but yeah, if people get mad, they'll leave you yeah. mean voicemails, money, shake it off, and go call the next person or right. you know, talk to the next. Yeah, that's true. And uh, do you do you you said you send letters to the owners, like postcards? Yeah, we're still we don't do postcards. We're old school. We still send letters, but our letters are dope, so people <laughs> respond to them. Um, so we don't do. Um, we're not always like doing. I know the the cool thing for people to do now is to just call cold call people, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're still uh, we're still a little bit old school in our letters. Okay. Because we've been um, doing the cold calling route, but like how you say with the letter thing, I suggested it a few days ago. Like, you know, let's try and send out letters. Let's see, make it a little more personal. Because, you know, just on the phone, their initial thought process is kind of like, oh, no, I'm about to shut this down. They're soliciting me for, you know, whatever their purposes is. And I was like, maybe if we send out letters or postcards and, you know, it's, try it that way, that might have a different impact on it. True. Right. And you should probably also, I don't know, sometimes people are getting their leads from the same place that a lot of other people are getting their leads from. And so they're getting mad because you called them five minutes after somebody else called them. And so you might want to kind of tweak your criteria a little bit maybe if you're getting leads from somewhere that a lot of other people are mm, that's, that's it. that make a lot of sense that make, that make a lot of sense and a, a question i like asking people I, I love asking people this question you know a lot of people are anticipating a recession soon or you know just oh maybe the next couple of years who knows so i like asking people like are they holding like staying liquid so they could like buy up crazy during a recession or are they still being aggressive pre-recession so, like, that's the question I propose to you guys. Yeah, that's a good question. And it's and nobody can predict the market, right? Exactly. It's all about kind of what you see, how you feel, how risk, uh, risky, risk-taker you are, risk-averse you are, all those types of things. For us, um, we see the recession a few years off, not, not five years off, um, yeah. just a few. So we're, we're still staying pretty aggressive right mm-hmm. now. I don't, we're not in our, in our next, call it 12 to 24 months. Um, we're not acquiring any additional flips. Um, mm. We're going to fix up and sell everything we've got and then um, kind of get another pulse check on the market uh, and see kind of how to, how to plan and strategize from there. Um, so it's, for, for me, it's a market correction is probably going to happen more so than a recession. So I think that a lot of people have a um, have a little bit of anxiety over the recession word when honestly the Real estate is cyclical, so it happens every usually every like eight years or so. You have a correction, and it just kind of evens out. We haven't had one in quite some time, and so we're due for a correction, right? You can't, it can't, you can't just have prices rise, 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 and rise, and not have 
um, a collection of, all right, everyone who has bought or was going to buy has, right? And so you're going to have less buyers. And so if you have less buyers, it's standard to find them in. I'm an econ person, so I'm not going to get all crazy. Um, and so this, the correction for us is um, something that we expect. And so you kind of plan for it. But for being that our foundation is rentals, it's a little bit less jarring when you understand the difference between a regular market correction versus a market crash we had years ago where everyone lost everything. Because right? of corrupt practices. Right. It's a little different now. Things are, are monitored more closely. Right. And even beyond that, it's just, a, it's just a general real estate correction. You have to, it's typical. You have to go around the circle. We haven't made it around the circle in quite some time. Right. And so um, with that, it's the impact will not, the dominoes won't fall, in my opinion, as hard and as quickly as they did a couple years ago because we're in a different place. And this is a more um, economic process that's happened for years and years and years and years. Yeah, from, from July 2018 to December 2018, about this, July, maybe June or something like that, um, Baltimore uh, saw some some signs of a, of a market dip. Um, you know, since the new year, the houses have been selling at a faster rate, and maybe that's the worst of it, right? <laughs> that may have been the market uh, dip that we, we were all expecting and so terrified of. Um, opportunity zones are going to do, uh, you know, depending on how much money comes out of the stocks and, and out of um, paper assets and into actual money that then gets translated into more jobs and everything else, um, opportunity zones may may prop us up for, for more time than um, than is expected. Um, it's very, you never know. It's you very never know what's Yeah, you never know. So we're just gonna, we're gonna watch it and be thoughtful and make good decisions and do our due diligence and follow our process. Yep, that, that, that's what I tell everybody. Just watch it, do your due diligence, and be have have a strategy in mind and stick to it. Yeah. So yep. So uh, we're gonna get ready to wrap up. We appreciate you guys. For, we definitely appreciate you guys for coming on. You guys gave us a lot of gems, a lot of game. And uh, just before we wrap up, could, uh, where could people find you uh, to get information, the classes, and all that stuff? Sure. So you can definitely follow us at Charm City Buyers on Instagram. Facebook and Twitter, and you can always find out more about us at charmcitybuyers.com. But our Instagram is usually lit, so that's a great place to start. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So, uh, and we'll, we'll send you guys a link to, okay. to disperse. Okay, okay, cool. Yeah, but we appreciate that. Thank like you I said, so much. We, we definitely appreciate y'all coming on. We have to do this again sometime. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 we, yeah. we look forward to watching your journey and watching you both grow and, and blossom. Thank, thank you, you. Thank appreciate you. Appreciate it. it. All right, y'all. Y'all have a good day. You too. Yep. Bye-bye. All right, guys. So that was another episode of the Millionaire Mindsets with uh, Charm City Buyers, Kiara and Khalil. I hope it was a, a lot of gems and games that you guys could take from that episode. And I, uh, and we appreciate you guys for listening. And before we wrap up, let me give you guys my uh, social media. For those who don't know, I'm Xavier C. Miller at Instagram. I'm XCM Park Hill on Twitter. Uh, Xavier Miller on Facebook, Xavier Miller 312 on Snap, and Deanna's going to give you her info. Yep, so you can find me on Instagram at Deanna Kent, um, Twitter Deanna S. Kent, and Facebook at Deanna Kent. And if you want to subscribe to the Millionaire Mindsets Daily Tech subscription, you can do so by texting at mmindsets to 81010. Again, that's at mmindsets to 81010. And again, that's that's all we have for y'all. Uh, please, uh, you guys could like, com- uh, comment, um, what else? Rate, subscribe. rate, subscribe the all channel. We appreciate all that good stuff, and that's pretty much all we have for y'all. Uh, we got we we have for y'all. See y'all next episode. Peace. On the way to the big check. You ain't know I'm up next when I'm on the way. You ain't take risks because you're too afraid. I'ma just eat till I'm overweight. On the way. Oh, a lot of shit on the way. On the way.